The last couple of weeks, we've been we've we've been heading down a, a road, just just speaking into into something that we've called recharge. And this this theme, or, 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 or yeah, this theme of, of recharge has kind of been on the back of us as a church just taking some time out. Uh, clearly not of church because we're sitting here today. Um, but just of our, of our weekly activities with regards to our after-hour activities. So our home cells, we've, we've put on pause. Our discipleship groups, we've put on pause. Ladies groups, men's groups, all these things. We've just put them on pause for a while. Just taking a time to just recharge and pay attention to our personal walk with God and specifically as families. Just reconnecting as families and, 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 and ensuring that we... Um, that we, we pay attention to the tension, so to speak. And as I say this word recharge, two weeks ago we spoke about the fact that sometimes something is left on or something is left open and it, it's draining our life of, of, of power, like a, like a battery in a vehicle. You know, when, when you leave your lights on, it, it drains out the power. If you leave your car door open, uh, the... the, the um, that little light inside gets dimmer and dimmer to the point where it's no longer existent. You know what I'm talking about. And that we've either left something on or left something open and, and it's drained the battery of its power, but that life works the same way. And that within our own lives, sometimes we leave something on. We, we leave an emotion running that should have been shut down a long time ago. And as a result, it's drained our lives of its, of its power. Or we've left a door open. There's something that we should have dealt with that, that, that hasn't seemed so bad. But somewhere along the line, it's got the better of us. And as a result, as this door's been left open, the enemy of our souls has been able to just come and steal the power out of our lives day in and day out. So week one, we just paid attention to that and, and, and just switched off what needed to be switched off and closed what needed to be closed. And then last week we spoke about the fact that batteries don't charge themselves. You know, you need a good charging system in your motorcycle in order for your battery to stay charged, correct? For our cage drivers, you need a good, strong charging system in your car in order for that charge to, to stay strong in your battery. And... And we just spoke into, into the personal presence of God being that charging system in our lives. And, and, and relationship with Him, specifically through His Holy Spirit, is what really keeps these batteries fully charged. So as we've used this analogy, I, I, I want to continue in this vein today. And for those of you who've, who've, who've had any dealings with a, with, a, with a motorcycle or car battery or any battery of any sort, you'll know that sometimes batteries just stop working. Uh, so sometimes either they've, they've, they've been drained of their power and recharged and drained of their power and recharged too many times and some of the cells die. And as the cells die, the battery is just no longer going to charge. It's now just dead. And when the battery reaches this point, the battery can't be recharged. The battery actually needs to be replaced. 
Do any of you ever work with your car battery or your motorcycle battery? <laughs> Fortunately for, for people like me who, who struggle with technical stuff, there's this fantastic little thing on my clocks of my motorcycle. There's this fantastic little thing on the dash of your car. It's called a warning light. Yeah, it's nach when it comes on. But, but as your, your vehicle has a charging system, and as if there's any problem with this charging system, if the alternator is not working, or if there's a short somewhere, or if the battery cells have, have, have had enough and they, they kiss now, and somewhere along the line, the battery's just not charging the way that it should, this warning light comes on, and as the warning light comes on, what do we need to do? Besides stress. We need to pay attention. <laughs> oh my goodness, the warning lights come on. Pay attention. And then we need to act. It requires something of us. Because if I don't pay attention to the warning light, I'm going to go and stand next to the road. Fact. Isn't that true? And folks, the, the, the truth be told... Your life and my life works the exact same way. Is that, that there may be old ways of thinking, there may be old ways of feeling, there may be old ways of choosing that need to be replaced. That warning lights have been coming on for a while and we need to pay attention to them. We need to act and, and, and these ways of thinking, feeling, and, and acting, they, they, choosing, they, they need to be replaced. I'd like to, to, to from there, just kind of dive straight into, into a, a story of a life that's recorded in the Bible. And, and, and there's this... Um, we know Jesus, he, he's, he's crucified, he's buried, he's resurrected. Forty days later, he ascends into heaven after having spent time with the disciples again, appearing to people all over. And then once he ascends into heaven, like for all intents and purposes, the whole Jesus movement should have died. Let's be honest. Because movements don't keep moving once the leader has died. It just doesn't happen. But when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he actually meant it. And because of the words that he spoke there, we see the church not die. We don't see this Jesus movement die. We actually see this Jesus movement escalate and we see it boom. And there was this group of people called, called the Pharisees and they were, they were essentially a, a religious and a, and a, a, um, a political party um, that, that really observed the, the, the written law that was given to Moses. Uh, but they'd also kind of developed this oral law that, that, that they kind of just pulled out of their hats whenever it was necessary in their opinion. And they strongly opposed this movement called the way. Because that's originally what, what Christianity was called and if you've been here for a while you you know how we get there and i'm not getting into that today but but ultimately they hated this jesus movement 
They really hated this Jesus movement. And amongst these Pharisees, there was this young man. There was this young man who was like this, this rising star in the Pharisees. You know, he, he, it looked like he was the next best thing. It looked like he, was, he, you know, he could have been a leader of leaders in this movement. And his name was Saul. The first time we really engage with Saul is where he's standing holding men's coats as they stone and kill one of the followers of Jesus, a young man by the name of Stephen. And I had to say stoned and killed in this context here because it wasn't for recreational or medicinal purposes. I just wanted to clarify that with you guys. I know that anything's permissible these days. But that's the first time that we really engage with with Saul is 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 at the at the the persecution of Stephen and 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 Paul thinks that this is right he thinks this is just he thinks this needs to happen and Paul Paul ultimately he Saul sorry ultimately feels like like he has this personal mission from God that his personal mission from God is to eradicate to the face of the planet of all Jesus followers that all Jesus followers need to be done away with. That all followers of the way are a menace to society. They speak out against what, what Saul and, and the Pharisees have stood for. And, and they need to be done away with. So Paul set, Saul sets out on this, on this mission. And as he sets out on this mission, he sets out to go and put an end to the Jesus movement. But he didn't just think so. The, the leading authorities of the day, they agreed with him. And they issued him with papers to say that this man can go and do this very thing. And this young man Saul, armed with these papers, he leaves Jerusalem and he heads out to a town by the name of Damascus. And as he heads out to the town of Damascus, at some point along his journey... It says that a bright light shone out of heaven and, and essentially knocked him off his ass onto his bum. Does that make sense? Off his donkey onto his bum. There we go. And it says that it blinded him, but in the process he's, he sees this man. He sees... This, this man walking towards him and, and this man starts speaking to him and he says to him, he says, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute me? And Saul, not having a clue what's going on, he, he responds and it's amazing that he says, Lord, I think when you've just been hit off your donkey by a light, you say, Lord, who are you? And Jesus responds and he, and he says, I'm Jesus, the one you persecute. And this becomes a life-changing moment for Saul. 
It becomes such a life-changing moment for Saul that if you keep reading, and, and I, I want to encourage you, go read Acts 9. Go read from there. Just, just the life of how God really just unfolds in the life of Saul to the point where, where, where Saul is such a Jesus follower that he, he figures, man, this message is too good. It's too great to just be stuck in Jerusalem. It's got to go further. And he, and he goes out and he, he starts sharing the love of of God, the love of Jesus with, with people beyond the Jewish nation. And he goes to the Gentiles, the Greeks. He go, and as a result, he even changes his name from Saul to Paul. That is how great a change was made in his life just through this encounter that this young man Saul had with Jesus on a road to Damascus. And it was in this moment that Paul came to the realization and then spoke of later that, that we benefit of today as well. And it's this, that we are saved by grace. We are saved by grace. You see, in that moment, if, if we're honest, Paul was on a mission to end the Jesus movement. And here, that very man, Jesus, comes and, and meets with Paul. And, and instead of ending Paul, he gives Paul the opportunity to get to know him. Isn't that grace? I mean, the, the logical thing for you and me is, you threatening my movement, let's take you out. No longer a problem, you know? Thank God, God is not the mafia. But in that moment, God engages with Paul. Jesus engages with Paul and, and he gives him the opportunity. He says, hey, you know, go to this town. Go and connect with Ananias. He's going to walk a bit of a road with you. Come, come get to know me. And God extends his grace. And ultimately we see that in the life of Paul, Paul is saved by grace. Later on, as Paul gets to know Jesus, Paul goes on to say this. He, he writes a letter to, to a church in, in Ephesus. And, and, and we have the fortunate privilege of having these letters in the Bible today. Um, and, and, and this letter to the church in, in Ephesus, in Ephesians 2 verses 4. 4 and 5, and then later on verse 8, it says this. He says, but because of his great love for us, this is Paul speaking. He says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. And I want to hit pause there for a moment because I can only imagine that as he's busy writing this to the church in Ephesus, I can only imagine that his mind shoots back to his moment on that road to Damascus where he's saying, man, we're alive in Christ even though he found us dead in our transgressions. Like I was dead, man. I was dead in my thinking, my feeling, my choosing. I was dead. I was dead, and, and in that moment, I met Jesus on, on that road to Damascus, and he, and he brought about a heart change. He, he took an old heart, he gave me a new heart. He took an old messed up life with messed up thinking, and he gave me a new life, and he started changing my thinking. And he took me from a place of, of death within myself, and he came, and he, he gave me brand new life. 
And then he finishes that sentence by saying, it is by grace you have been saved. Why? Because it is by grace that he saved me. And then in verse 8, he repeats himself and he says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift. It's a gift from God. You see, folks, you and I, we can't earn our heart transplant. We can't. It is, it is a gift from God. I can't work my way toward it. I can't earn up brownie points. I can't, I can't store good deeds and then one day go and present them and say, have I got enough credit now? No. God looks at you and he looks at me and he says, in your brokenness, in, 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 <laughs> in your mess, I'll reach in there. I'll come and I'll fetch you through my grace, through my mercy. And I'll swap it out for you. You give me your junk, man, I'll give you my best. And that's what Paul meant when he said, we are saved by grace. Why? Because he himself had experienced it. And for me, this is one of the most beautiful things that, that we can ever experience in life is this moment of being saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. But one of the saddest things for me is that us as believers, if, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, so often we get stuck there. So often we look at grace and, 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 and we see it as this one-dimensional thing, that we are saved by grace. That is grace's job. Now let's carry on with life and whenever we need grace again, we just come and fetch some. And folks, God's grace is not one-dimensional. Because what Paul went on to, to discover what the grace of God was really all about. You see, when, when the warning light came on for him on the road to Damascus, he grabbed hold of that saving grace. But as he walked the road with God, as he, as he discovered who this Jesus is, he got to understand and he got to, to realize that not just are we saved by grace, but we are taught by grace. God's grace comes and teaches us. Paul wrote this to a man by the name of Titus, and, and we have it here in, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. It says this, Paul says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Saved by grace. Sounds right. Okay. Verse 12 says this. It teaches us. And I want to hit pause there. What is it? Grace. That's it. It's God's grace. Because he's talking here about God's grace. And then this word it, you can right there superimpose the word God's grace. God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, 
and godly lives in this present age. So here Paul's saying, man, yes, God's grace saves. But God's grace moves beyond just saving us. God's grace steps into our everyday life and his grace comes and teaches us. He teaches us what to say no to and he teaches us what to say yes to. He teaches us what's harmful for us, what's destructive to our lives, because that's really what sin is. Sin brings destruction. It causes damage between me and God. It causes damage between me and you. That's what sin does. And here Paul is saying that God's grace comes along and it teaches us how to not cause that damage. But takes it a step further and says how we could live in God if we allow him to teach us through his grace. I love the way that that the NLT says it in verse 12. It says this, it says, We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Now, we've just called the world evil, this present age. Have you turned the news on lately? Do I need to go any further? Or can we agree that if we're honest, the world that we live in today is filled with, with evil it's not a doom or gloom message this morning there's a message of hope in here but it's opening our eyes and recognizing that hey there's some really messed up stuff that happens on a daily basis but even though all this messed up stuff happens i don't need to be sucked into it i don't need to be caught up in it i don't don't need to become a part of it no there's a better way And if I allow God's grace to teach me, then he'll show me how to live in wisdom. He'll he'll teach me how to live wisely. He'll teach me how to live in righteousness, meaning in right standing with God. He'll teach me how to to live in in a space where God and I are good. And then he'll teach me how to live a life that is devoted to God. See, I I don't ever believe that God wants us to just buy in. I believe God wants us to sell out. Not to just give him some of it. I believe that God wants us to give him all of us. And as we give him all of ourselves, folks, that is where life gets so exciting. So Paul shows us that God's grace saves us, but that God's grace also teaches us. If I can put it this way, Paul shows us that God's grace puts our past behind us and shows us opportunities for the future. That's what God's grace does in our lives. Through his grace, he teaches us to think and to act differently. The third thing that, that, that Paul came to, 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 to recognize within God's grace, God's grace saves us, God's grace teaches us, but God's grace also sustains us. What's this word sustain? What, what does it actually mean? Sustain means to support, to carry, to keep up, to comfort, to help. 
to assist, to encourage, to give strength to. There, there we go, it's an alternator. But God's grace comes and sustains us. In, in his letter to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse, verse 6 through 9, I encourage you to go and read it. Paul, Paul speaks about the focus kind of being cast on him and, and, and he goes, he essentially speaks into, don't, don't look at me as if I've got something right. It really is just the power of God at work in me. That's, 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 that's allowed for all of these things to happen. Ultimately, he's the one who sustains me. And then he goes and he, he gets exceptionally transparent. He gets quite open. And he says this, he says, because the truth be told, there's something I've been struggling with. And he talks about, he says, for the purposes of this conversation, let's call it a thorn in my side. I've got this thorn in my side. And it's like it's been hindering him. But he says this, he says, I've asked God three times. I've met with God and I've spoken to him and I've said, I've pleaded with him, Lord, three times now, will you take it from me? Will you remove this thing? And, and folks, Bible scholars have been guessing for centuries as to what this is. Is this a physical ailment? Like, is he battling with an illness? Is he battling with some form of, of, of injury, some form of deformity? I mean, just consider the fact that how many times was he imprisoned? How many times was he beaten up? How many times was he shipwrecked? Heck, he was bitten by a snake at one stage. He was stoned again with rocks. All these things happened to him. And, and, and the truth be told, it could have been that somewhere along the line he was, he was physically injured to the point where it, where it prohibited him. Or it was some habit in his life. We have no idea. We're guessing. But what he communicates is, hey, there's this issue that I've been struggling with. And I've gone to God three times and I've asked him to take it. And on each occasion, he's come back and he said this. My grace is sufficient. My power works best in weakness. And that's how God responds to Paul. And what Paul's communicating to us through this message from God is essentially that it doesn't matter what we're going through, God's there to sustain us. His grace comes alongside us and, and sustains us. His grace comes and carries us. It supports us. It keeps us up. His grace comes and comforts us when we need it. His grace comes and helps us. It assists us. It encourages us when we're down. His grace comes and gives us strength. His grace is all that you need. And His grace is shown to be strong in our weakness. He sustains us through His grace. Now we've used this word a heck of a lot this morning. Grace. 
What is grace? Grace is God's undeserved favor. Grace is God's undeserved favor. Again, I did nothing to warrant that favor. I did nothing to earn that favor. It's undeserved. It's a gift. And God's undeserved favor is what saves us, folks. God's undeserved favor is what teaches us. God's undeserved favor is what sustains us for our daily lives. God's undeserved favor comes and steps into our thinking, comes and steps into our feeling, comes and steps into our choosing, comes and saves in those areas, comes and teaches us in those areas, and comes and sustains us in all areas of life. And he comes and he shows us how to live in wisdom. It's it's something that I probably pray over the most for my life. Lord, you said if I lack wisdom, you'll give it to me if I ask. Lord, give me wisdom. He, he, he said, yeah, he'll, he'll show us how to live in right standing with him. I want to be in right standing with him, folks. He says that he'll show us how to live devoted to God, in devotion with God. And maybe this morning, folks, maybe this morning, a warning light's busy going off for you personally. Maybe a warning light is busy going off that's been activated in your life. And you're recognizing that, man, I, I, I need to pay attention right now. I need to pay attention right now. I need to act. And this morning, maybe that warning light is that you've never really engaged with the saving grace of God. You've never really engaged with, 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 with God's grace that saves. The worship team's welcome to come back. Maybe you've never, ever said yes to being saved by God's grace. You may have heard it once or twice. Maybe you've never heard it. But it's just never been a reality in your life. And this morning, you've you kind of walked in here and, and, and you recognize that, there, that there's a mess that, that really needs to be exchanged for God's goodness. And this morning, as I've spoken through it, that warning lights come on. And you recognize that, hey, I need to pay attention to this warning light. I, I, I need that saving grace of Jesus. I need it to be active and alive in my life. Because I've never said yes to it. And if that's you, I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment. But there's another warning light that may be coming on this morning. 
The other warning light that may be coming on is that this morning, for the first time, you've really heard of this, of this concept of being taught by God's grace. I've, no, I've known about being saved by God's grace, and I've said yes somewhere along the line. I said yes to being saved by God's grace. But this issue of being taught by His grace is a foreign concept to me. But if I'm honest, it's like that's what I've been lacking. That's, that's, what I've, that's what I've needed. I've, I've needed a step. The cross is great, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the cross. But Jesus didn't end at the cross. He went through the grave. He went through resurrection. And He showed us how to do life. And His grace comes and teaches us how to do that life. And this morning, you, the warning lights come on and, and gone, man, I want to engage with, with, the, with the grace of God that teaches me how to, how to live in wisdom, how to, how to live in right standing with God, how to, how to live devoted to God. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity in a moment, but th there's, a, there's a third warning light that I believe could be going off in your life today. And it's this. The thing of, of this warning light of being sustained by God's grace. Again, you know, for you, grace just ended at His grace saving us. But the notion has never followed through that, that His grace doesn't just save, it also sustains. It supports where needed. It helps. It encourages. It lifts up. And if you're honest, you've been going through stuff in life that has seemed just so much bigger than you. And this morning, as I spoke through this, this, the, the, this, this thing of, of, of God sustaining grace, that warning light went off and you, and you went, I need that sustaining grace. Right now, I, I so desperately need the sustaining grace of God in my life. This morning, if any of those warning lights have come on, the saving grace of God, being taught by the grace of God, or being sustained by the grace of God, I'd love for you to just stand in your seat right now. I'd love to just pray for you. I know it's everyone together, meaning all the categories together, but, but I'm not here to embarrass anyone this morning. I really just believe that this morning, as you take that step of faith and step out of your, up out of your chair, I just really want to come and pray with you this morning and trust that the Holy Spirit comes and does the work that only He can. Father God, as... As folks stand this morning, Lord. Lord, I thank you that this morning folks are just paying attention to those warning lights coming on, Lord. Paying attention to, to the, the, the prodding of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Where you've just come and, and, and put pressure in an area and just gone, hey, it's, it's, it's time. It's time to pay attention to this. 
And right now, I just want to pray for those who are standing, who, who, say, who, are, who are essentially just saying, Lord, I, I need your saving grace. Lord, I recognize that, that I've been caught up in myself for so long, Lord. Lord, Lord I recognize that, that I've been, been bound by all sorts of stuff in my life, Lord, just because I've never really engaged with the truth of who you are. Lord, and, and this morning, understanding that your grace comes and brings freedom, Lord. The, the same freedom that you brought in Paul's life, Lord. The, 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 same, the same heart transplant that you brought in Paul's life, Lord. I, I, I need that heart transplant this morning, Lord. Lord, will you come? Lord, and come and save me with your grace this morning. Lord, this morning is my Damascus road. This morning I, 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 I look into the face of Jesus and I say, Lord, would you come and save me by your grace? Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for, 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 for doing life my way. Lord, this morning, will you, will you come and, and be Lord of my life? Lord, this morning I thank you for your saving grace, alive and well in my life. For those of you who are standing, saying, Lord, I desire to be taught by your grace. Lord, I, I just pray over each person standing right now. That's just standing with a heart going, Lord, will you come and teach me through, through your grace, Lord? Lord, I thank you that, 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 Lord, you are faithful, Father. That you are a faithful Father. And Lord, I thank you that in this moment, as, as folks have just stepped up going, I've engaged with the saving grace of God, but I so desperately need his wisdom, his, his, his grace to come and teach me how to live in wisdom. I need His grace to come and teach me how to live in right standing with Him. I need His grace to come and teach me how to give it all to Him, devote myself completely to Him. And Father God, as, as, as men and women stand this morning, Lord, I thank you that right now, Lord, Lord, that you are faithful in this moment, Lord. And that as they leave here today and just go and engage with you, as Paul didn't leave the Damascus Road, just carrying on with life, Lord. But he went out and he searched after you, Lord. He got to know you. Father God, that as they leave here today and, and really search for you, you're, you told us in the book of Jeremiah that if we search for you, we'll find you when we search for you with all our hearts. And Lord, as folks search for you, Lord, I thank you that you're faithful to teach us through your grace, Lord. Lord, as folks are standing this morning needing to just be sustained by your grace, Lord. Lord, I don't know what's going on in, in, in folks' lives. I may know one or two stories here, Lord. But Father God, I thank you that you know the intricate details of each life right here. Lord, I thank you that, that, that you know exactly what's going on in each situation. 
Father God, I thank you that this morning you come and, and sustain these lives through your grace, Lord. That you come and, and, and that you, your grace comes and supports, your grace comes and carries, your grace comes and comforts, Father God, comes and encourages, Lord. That your grace comes and gives strength to hearts that are heavy and under fire this morning, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your work of grace in our lives, Lord. For your undeserving favor in our lives. Lord, we recognize that it's not something that we can do for ourselves, but that it is a free gift from you. And this morning, we say thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you continue walking this road with men and women, Lord. We thank you for your grace this morning. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. If you agree, just say amen. Amen. Folks, I want to encourage you. Thank you, Yah. You may be seated. I want to encourage you. If you stood for anything this morning and, and you need someone to just chat to, someone to pray with you, there's going to be a couple of us up front here. Please don't just run away. Please come and engage. Please come and chat. Please come and visit. And, and we'd love to just visit with you and, and start a process with you. Father God, we thank you for a good morning together, Lord. We thank you for the fact that um, we can come and just gather here together as your family, Lord. Lord, I thank you that as, as men and women leave today, Lord, I thank you for that you fall in with courage, Lord. Lord, to, to step out and be the men and women that you created them to be, Lord. Lord, I thank you for, for your protection over families, Lord. Even now during this winter season, Lord, with all the funny chuchas going around, Lord. Lord, we pray that you, that you protect health over this winter time, Lord. Father God, I thank you beyond that. Lord, that we will engage with the reality of who you are. Lord, that as we leave this building today, we don't just wear a name, Christian. But Father God, that as we leave this building today, Lord, that we leave here sons and daughters of the Most High God. And Lord, that as we leave here, Lord, we can go out and be an accurate representation of your Son, Jesus. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.